You're listening to the Unshamed Podcast. We talk about important topics that are culturally taboo when it comes to the female body, mind, and soul. We want to break down shame that surrounds these topics so that women can be empowered in their everyday lives. Make sure to like and subscribe and share this with your friends. Hi guys, and welcome to the Unshamed Podcast. I'm Katie, and Unshamed is the place where we talk about things that are typically taboo in society, topics that are generally things that you wouldn't talk about around the kitchen table, you know, but this is why we do Unshamed, is that we want to bring stories out into safe places where we can break down shame walls. Um, Unshamed is sponsored by Zoe Community, and Zoe is an Irish organization that looks to empower women in crisis pregnancy and helps train people in how to support women in crisis pregnancy. Um, Today, we have the lovely Allie Buris, who Allie and I go way back. Way back. How far back? Um, I think 2005. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's like, is that? I'm trying to do the math. Oh my gosh. That's like, that's a long time. Are we old? No. No, we're we're not. Like, (laughs) no, I was um, literally, I was like thinking about, I don't know, thinking about like young kids smoking pot the other day. And I was like, and I'm like, do kids use pot? Is that the word they still use or no? Is that not the word? I don't know. Anyway, you're like, (laughs) Allie works with university students. So I'm like, Allie, I'm looking to you for the definition of this terminology or whatever. But she's like, I "I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I think that it is still pot. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. We're not that old. Anyway. um, I think pot is an everlasting term. It was, I mean. Yeah. People. That's been. So we don't talk about pot on this podcast, you know, but that was just a, a sidetrack. Anyway, Ali works with an organization called Chi Alpha, and it was through Chi Alpha that we actually met all those years ago at university. And I was, I guess you were a freshman maybe, or? I was a freshman. Yeah. And I was, I think, a sophomore, perhaps. Um, and in, yeah, so that's second year, first year of college, second year of college for the Irish people listening. Um, so today, like, I just, I'm here in Baton Rouge, and Allie lives here, and she works with LSU Chi Alpha. So LSU is the university that we were both at. Um, and I wanted to come and have a conversation with Allie because Allie has such a cool life story. She'd probably be like, no, it's just normal. But <laughs> Allie is a really great... Feels normal to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Um, I just wanted to like have you share your story, like how you got to where you are today, basically, and kind of some key points along the way where um, you felt like your life made a change for the better and sort of, yeah. So if you want to just share, share that, however much you want to share, that would be amazing. Sure. I mean, if we were to flash back into the mind and the heart of 18-year-old Allie, mm-hmm. um, heading to college for the very first time, leaving home, mm-hmm. um, and what my expectations and hopes and dreams were would make us all just laugh. But I mean, it was my hopes and dreams and expectations were a good time mm-hmm. <laughs> and a party. Yes. <laughs> what was your major? My major was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> what are you getting a degree in? Excellent party skill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyways, um, uh-huh. so I, I came to college with the Lord nowhere on my mind. Mm-hmm. And I came to college um, 
certainly not expecting to encounter the Lord. Mm. And I cannot imagine the trajectory of my life and the trajectory of the decisions that I was making at that time, um, where it would have landed me had I not encountered the Lord. Yeah. And um, my goodness, it really, it just... It's so simple. I was hanging out in a dorm room with a bunch of girls mm-hmm. and um, started to become friends with these girls. And every once in a while, they would talk to me about the Lord or they would ask me questions. But yeah. they um, they spent time with me for an entire semester mm-hmm. um, as I continued to live a more typical college experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but after about a semester, I had gone back home for winter break and I had a hard time back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back and I was processing that with some of my, with one of my friends and I, you know, she had been praying for me for a while and I kind of not, I, I don't even understand what it would have felt like for her to sit next to me. And after praying for me for so long and seeing not even a glimmer of hope or change in my life, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no new openness to the Lord, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but then after an entire semester of time, um, me sitting across from her and saying, Jessica, I don't know. For oh, some yeah, reason, I know her. you know, yeah, Jessica. Know, of course, gosh, you know, yeah. Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, for some reason, I feel like I, I just need the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, um, my goodness, after that, I was brought so quick to mm-hmm. a Chi Alpha worship service, which in and of itself is comical because I had never been in a worship experience yeah. like that. Were um, you raised Catholic or nothing or what were you? I like, didn't have a ton of church background. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a Methodist experience when I was young, young, young. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot of listeners would have really like a negative experience with church or church is very like... Church is where shame lives mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And so how did you feel like, did you, did you experience any, like, um, any, anything that made you feel like, oh, wow, the shame walls are broken down coming to church? Or, you know, honestly, did you feel like, hmm, there's some issues here with shame when it came to Christianity with church, with anything like that? You know, I I do remember feeling pretty messy and thinking like, oh gosh, everybody here's really put together. Mm. And I remember thinking everybody's families Mm. were like really intact and put together. Mm. And so my family's like blended upon blended. (laughs) And um, my parents were going through a divorce at the time even. Mm. And so so I I remember thinking um, everybody's families especially were really, really like normal. I don't think mm-hmm. I even knew how abnormal I was until mm-hmm. I met people and was like, wow, I, kinda, I feel really different. Yeah. I kind of felt like that too. Like I didn't grow up with two parents, just mm-hmm. one. So I felt like a little bit like when I would go to people's houses and they would have two parents mm-hmm. who were like alive and talking to each other and loving each other and be like, wow. Yeah. So like, what it's is, like looking what is into your the, life. Yeah. Like yeah. this is so crazy. <laughs> But yeah, so you felt you felt like a bit weird and I did. But you know what I think was um unique for me is and, and I've always felt like this decision was probably questionable of um you know, our, our leader, our pastors at the time, but they let me start leading a life group, which was like our small group Bible studies mm-hmm. really early. Oh, and yeah. I'm incredibly thankful mm-hmm. to them for that experience. I also questioned them, like who thought I was ready <laughs> for something like that? But they believed in you. Um, so, But it turned my, I think it, it protected me quickly mm. 
because then my connections <laughs> with oh that's just a dog y'all it's fine <laughs> it's my it's dog hank hank is great <laughs> but they um it it connected me quickly with people who also did not know the Lord. And we were all really young on our journey with the Lord. Mm-hmm. We were all very messy mm-hmm. and we kind of just were all in that together. Yeah. So it almost like got me out of that church bubble really fast because yeah. then I went ahead and started leading my own life group. Well, who would I invite to a life group? The people that I know. Who did I know? Yeah. Normal. <laughs> so, Average people. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mm-hmm. know enough church people to even <laughs> really probably, experience that. In a way, that's probably really good, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad you had that experience. Um, so, how, let let's kind of switch gears and kind of into more of like the shame factor of things. Um, how do you feel like you've dealt with shame at various points in your life, like? before you met Jesus and then after that point in your life. Um, I guess what were your experiences with shame as a younger person versus now? So like like life choices or things that might have happened to you that you felt, you know, I need to keep this secret um, versus like then versus now. Like how and, and how yeah. have you like in process that? I mean, I think so, of shame as the stuff that we just, it's it's parts of us that we want to hide. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, over the last um, couple of years, I, I've done some, even trying to understand my story more mm-hmm. and trying to look back at, at, at different pieces of my story mm-hmm. and how it is, has all thread together mm-hmm. to make me kind of who I am <laughs> and yeah. then how I understand all of the, I mean, sometimes life just feels just wild. And, um, but I think there are, when you look at your story and I think the way that I interact with my story now is being able to understand, like there's pieces of my story that I really just hate. Like everybody has that. No, nobody goes, boy, my life has been amazing so far. (laughs) Yeah. There's pieces of my story that I really just hate. And I think in my more recent past, I've learned to separate, um, being able to hate my story, but not hate myself. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. see those as two different things. Right. And I can have discomfort with my story and mm-hmm. I can have discomfort with decisions I've made or things that I've done or, um, parts of my past, but that, um, being able to see that as a discomfort with my story mm-hmm. over a, discomfort with me and mm-hmm. who I am. Yeah. Now I sure wish I would have had that clarity of thought at mm-hmm. 18. <laughs> but or in the young years. Yeah. My goodness, what could that what could that have protected us all from? <laughs> um but I remember like meeting you and thinking, like all I thought about Allie was like, Allie's awesome. She's such a fun person. She's amazing. And that's what other people see like when we see ourselves, we're like, we can have the temptation to be like, oh, me, boo. But, well, you know, Katie, I remember our our mutual friend, very close friend of yours, Kristen Ship. Yes. And so she was a, a 
is is <laughs> was, no, was is sorry <laughs> she's gonna be is. listening like come on I'm still alive <laughs> she is um a woman who deeply loves the Lord mm-hmm. and I remember sitting with her at some point and talking to her about my life and I remember her saying you know Allie sometimes it's the girls that really look like they have it the most together that are hurting the most on the inside who like I have always known her as a person who Oh, she, she just has such she'll cut you, but good. Like discernment, like to see exactly oh, what's going. Yes. That's just that's so Kristen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I remember feeling so known and so scared by that. Like she's figured me out. Mm-hmm. Like she, I have everybody else here fooled, but she's figured it out. Yep. And it was the breaking down of me realizing. I mean, humor is my defense mechanism, and that is where, like, when I feel shamed and scared and like I want to hide I often hide behind being really funny Mm -hmm. and it's great because I love being funny yeah I could have a lot worse defense mechanisms you know like I could do other things (laughs) not to defend my own (laughs) defense well that's like that's how that's how anyway yeah I feel like a lot of people would use humor as a defense mechanism um a lot of our Irish listeners they would laugh hearing me say this but Everything's a joke in Ireland. Nothing is serious. It's hard to have a a serious conversation about anything unless you're maybe your arms falling off. And that might might be a time to talk about something serious. Maybe not. You know, a lot of people might joke and stuff if their arms falling off. But the Irish, they would be a fan. I was just shopping on Etsy for a new journal, Mm -hmm. and I found a journal that uh, the front of it said, "At least all this trauma has made me effing hilarious." And I was like. If there was a mantra that? to explain my life. <laughs> you got to send me the link because I feel like I need this journal in my yeah, life. That would, that would be great. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, actually, speaking of trauma, that kind of is, I hate to say a nice segue, but it leads us into the next question I had, um, that you um, experienced losing a child um, a few years ago named Emma, and you lost her, what was it, 30 weeks or... Right around 30, 31 weeks. 30, 31 weeks. Um, And you had said before that you were cool, like talking a little bit Mm -hmm. about that. And I just wanted to ask, did you experience shame surrounding losing Emma or no? Like that part of your story, did you have any, any part of you that felt like, I don't want to share this, or did you feel like you could be open with it? You know? Um, Oh gosh. And what a, what a complicated part of of my story. But, um, I, I, I experience shame in every way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think one of the ways that stands out to me, um, even present tense, mm-hmm. is, um, you know, Emma passed away almost three years ago. Mm-hmm. And there are parts of me, a lot of parts of me, that is still deeply destroyed by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody who's grieved... Um, or, or or suffered some level of pain and trauma knows that it's really easy to feel like the rest of the world has moved on very quickly <laughs> and <laughs> that you're like still really, really yeah. um, just destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, I reg- The sentence I said to Jonathan for forever is I'm ruined. I'm ruined. Like I'll never, I will never get through this. I yeah. am ruined. Mm-hmm. And um I I think that I 
experienced a shame that I probably, maybe I put on myself, maybe people put it on me, I'm not sure, but a shame of feeling like I should um, be better. Mm. I shouldn't be struggling as much as I am. Mm -hmm. And I think Christians, um, I have a, a, um, a, a ton of thoughts on, on how Christians, how we can respond to our own pain and suffering yeah. and how as a community we respond to the pain and suffering as others. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that has really struck me is our impatience with ourselves Mm-hmm. Because I think when you are a person who believes in the death and resurrection of Jesus and mm-hmm. you believe that there is hope in him mm-hmm. and redemption of all stories, mm-hmm. when you know how the story ends, yeah, it's really easy to rush yourself to the ending. Yes. Yeah. And, and want to be there. Like, mm-hmm. um, but there are parts of me as a, that as a mother, I will always be a mother who's known a really, really deep heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. there's always going to be hurt pieces of me. Mm -hmm. And I've had, that doesn't mean that I'm without faith. Right. Um, But that took a, took, (laughs) I act like I'm through that. You see how it's so easy for us to just like jump to a past tense. Like I used to. And it's Christians. That's another thing. We really love a past tense. Jesus did something, present tense right. story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our favorite kind of story. Oh, yeah. Wow, these things used to be so bad. And then Jesus fixed it all. And it's all magically and better. everything's better. Yeah. And that's just not a reality for me. Um, for I, me either. No. <laughs> I, am no. A, I am a both and. I am a heartbreak and healing mm-hmm. person. I am yeah. a like full of joy in the goodness of the Lord, but also struggle with depression and loss. Yeah. And just a hurt, hurt heart of the realities. Um, That's good. I mean, I feel like that people who follow Jesus have like a certain expectation they put on themselves mm-hmm. for grief. And then people who don't choose to follow Jesus, they look at Christians and they're like, oh, they all have their lives together. Mm-hmm. They're perfect. They're blah, blah, blah. They don't suffer or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is just not true. Mm-hmm. That that expectation should not be there because we're human and we all have, um, we make steps backward, we make steps forward. We, we struggle mm-hmm. like crazy constantly sometimes, most of the time. You I know? think a combination of um, Western society mm-hmm. um, and Western Christianity just has set us up to be terrible at pain and suffering. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we really like to have control of things. We want to know that we have control. So we want to be able to say things like, um, man, if if I would have gone to a doctor sooner, if I would have noticed something or what if I would have had a better doctor or a faster doctor Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, Emma was born alive and Mm -hmm. she lived for a short amount of time Mm -hmm. while they were operating on her, trying to save her. Yeah. And, so constantly thinking like, well, did I even have the right doctor doing Was that girl good? Do I yeah. know if that girl was good? Yeah. <laughs> what, what if it would have been somebody better, you yeah. know, or did I, did I do enough, yeah. you know? And yeah. it, it's the reality of surrender that comes with pain and suffering mm-hmm. and the reality of what I'm really saying when I say all of those things mm-hmm. um, is I, I want control over this. Yeah. And I feel like control over the outcome of this terrible situation should have been mine to have. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I should have been able to control um, the doctor or science should have fixed this, you know? Yeah. Watch us as, as people suffering and, and working through COVID right now. What do we all say? Like science should fix this. Yeah. We have no patience to be in the pain of a world pandemic yeah. at all. No. And nobody's got time for that. We don't have patience for no. that. We have no emotional capacity for that. What we want is science. We need a clean, wrapped up ending. Yeah. Science, get to this. Yeah. Shut this mess down mm-hmm. and make my life normal and good again. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, I did the exact same thing. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I did too. I'm still doing it. I'm still going through a grief process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we're all worldwide grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've like, what we lost. Cause sometimes I'll think what, it, what was it like before COVID mm-hmm. and I'll like reminisce in old photos and stuff like, <laughs> like seriously, we, you're right. Like we have no idea how to cope with suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not really equipped for that. And I know, um, like I, I've been to different places around the world, places where they'd be considered third world, um, and their idea of death and suffering or their way of dealing with it is just so much different in how, how we tend to do it. We, if they're suffering, we have to mitigate it at all costs. Mm-hmm. If someone dies, it's, well, it's, it's deeply tragic for everyone. But for some reason, um, we don't view it as a natural, as, as natural a life occurrence mm-hmm. as, as they do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, it is very, is very hard. Um, so, you know, like, I feel like w- what you're saying right now with like your very balanced view, I'm patting on the back of, of suffering <laughs> and shame and all this. If you're, if you're younger Allie self, who is not as seasoned as you are now was sitting across from you, what would you say to her about, um, your thoughts on shame freedom from shame and like how, how to deal with things that come into your life, whether it's a personal choice or something that happens to you, but how to walk through something like that, that you feel like you can't tell anybody, you know, if young, if young Allie was sitting here, (laughs) you'd be Um, like, ah, (laughs) I, I have a lot of compassion for young Allie. Mm -hmm. And I think for many of us, when it comes to understand, understanding our stories and understanding who we are in our stories and things of that nature, so much of that is going to come through um, being able to have some compassion for yourself. Yeah. Um, even the, the current lock screen on my phone right now says, mm-hmm. um, this is my, my current mantra, in honor of the freedom Christ bought for me, I will not engage in attacking myself anymore. Oh, that's amazing. And so that's, that's how I'm trying to live right mm-hmm. now is that um, I'm trying to live in honor of the freedom that Christ bought for me. Yeah. And so I don't even know how I would speak to Deep Alley the realities of um, the freedom that Christ has brought for her. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to live in honor of that freedom. Yeah. And so I don't want to continue to attack myself anymore mm-hmm. or engage in um, self-hatred yeah. anymore because mm-hmm. I want to see, I want to live in honor of what Jesus has done. Yeah. And so I would speak to young Allie um, with a lot of compassion Um, I would really try to pull her eyes towards Jesus Mm -hmm. and off of hating herself. Yeah. And I would really work on her seeing her story and understanding herself with a little bit of compassion. You know, sometimes we're doing the best we can with the things we have. 
Yeah. And even though there's pieces of my story where I really didn't make some great decisions, you know, I can look at myself with some compassion in those decisions and say, you know, yeah, you're doing the best you could with what you had. Yeah. And knowing that everybody around you is probably doing the same thing. Like we yeah. were all like, you know, like for instance, me sitting across from young Allie and mm-hmm. going, she's so cool. And I'm thinking I am the most, I'm the most massive dork that ever lived <laughs> because okay. I was like, how am I going to function around all these normal people? And little did I know, Allie was sitting across from me desperately using humor as a defense mechanism to shield yeah. herself from pain. I had no idea. And everybody listening to this knows, you know someone who's using some kind of defense mechanism, whether it's just being super quiet, super funny, super sarcastic, whatever it is, a shield from pain or sharing too much about their story. Either you're listening or you know somebody who is. So have compassion. I feel like that's the wrap up. If we can wrap this up at all is, um, like be nice to yourself and be nice to other people. Really. I know it's very trite to say that, especially if you follow Jesus. Um, I feel like you need to treat them how Jesus would treat, how Jesus treats you, Mm -hmm. which is Jesus doesn't see, um, he doesn't see all the things that humans would see. Humans would see broken pieces. They would see not the right quite like not the right fit or not measuring up or just not being good enough, especially in our Western eyes where we are sometimes critical and, and harsh with other people's measuring up to things. Jesus doesn't see us like that. He sees us for who we are. And um not for the broken pieces that we sometimes are tempted to see ourselves as. So in light of that, be nice to yourself. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> thank you, Allie. Um, we just talked about all kinds of stuff um, that is really deep, really difficult. And I'm thanking you so much for sharing a, a bit of yourself with us. Um, guys, uh, tune in next time. Allie's going to talk more about her work experience and being on campus and the messy part and the wonderful parts and everything in between of working with students. And it's really an amazing job. So <laughs> tune, in, tune in next time uh, and listen to Allie share part of more of her story. But until then, keep living unshamed. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unshamed Podcast. Join us next time for another topic that we hope empowers you. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share this with your friends.